is a Woodside Church podcast. Great. Um, I love the worship today. Just amazing. The theme runs through. And every time, this is the joy of a preacher when they come. When whatever you're about to preach, the verses come exactly how Sarah just spoke that verse, while we were yet sinners. I'm going to be reading about that. And then the brokenness and the sadness and what we do with it and all that. It's all kind of falling in life, uh, in line with the preach. We talk about the puzzles, the broken puzzles. We talk about people who don't know the truth outside. Hey, 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 praise God, praise God. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way among us. Teach us. Nurture us. Help us to walk. We absolutely are open to your leading. In faith, we want to walk in obedience. Yes, Lord. Prepare our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. We're looking at a wonderful series, Easter series. Every year we look at it, and uh, every time there's something new that comes out of it. And uh, this time we're looking uh, uh, with the title, The Piercing Quiet. And today the title that I have been given is Hushed, Aris, when Jesus was actually arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. I just want to quickly do a recap of what um, Felix did last week so wonderfully he preached about. Judas was so close to Jesus, yet so far away. Whoa. Then we have what Satan intends to destroy, Jesus completely reverses it for his glory. That is the power of our Lord. Hallelujah. So we can be excited and we can rejoice there. When we accept Jesus as Lord of our life, transformation begins in our life. We are no more the same, we are different. What lovely truth, amazing. In line of this, we're gonna learn from the life of Jesus what we could apply in our life and aid to this transformation. I'm gonna read from Matthew chapter 26, verses 36 onwards till um, the 56. It's gonna be a long passage, but it's gonna come up on the screen. Probably I'll move out of the way. And then I'll read it. You can follow it. If you want, you can read it along with me. Verse 36 onwards. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled, brokenness and sadness. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch with me. What a request from Jesus. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, So could you not watch with me one hour? 
Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again for the second time, he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. While he was still speaking, Judas came, one of the twelve, and with him a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man, seize him. And he came up to Jesus at once and said, Greetings, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Jesus said to him, Friend, do what you came to do. Then they came up and laid hands on Jesus and seized him. And behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand and drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, Put your sword back into its place, for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and he will at once send me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching. You did not seize me. But all this has taken place that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all disciples left and fled. Oh, that's a heavy passage, isn't it? This was the story, what we read. Jesus was burdened and filled with sorrow, even to the point of death. Now, how does he deal with this sorrow and burden and this anxiety and this depression? Jesus deals with such a heavy, with such a heavy situation in prayer. He receives strength and clarity by doing so. Then Jesus is now prepared and faces the worst in submission to the authority of the Scriptures. Jesus, our Lord, highly, from this passage, this is what we see, our Lord, Jesus, highly values two things. Very simple. He values prayer. The second thing he values is the authority of the scriptures. Hey guys, our life is so simple. This is our highest priority. And this is the role model that Jesus said. This is the role model Jesus showed us. He never, being who, who he is, he never took prayer for granted. Hey, hey, hey. It hits me hard. And he valued the scriptures 
more than his feelings and his emotions. That's amazing, isn't it? More than how he feels or his emotion, whatever it's saying. He values scripture about it. And he never took prayer for granted. In this line, we're going to just look at the two things. Prayer and the value of scripture in our life. Firstly, the significance of prayer in our life. In any situation, we can obviously point out to Jesus, looking at his life and say, the first thing that he would ever do is prayer. Many of us have this habit. You know, I used to kind of think it's a ritual what my mom and dad, thank God for um, godly parents, thank God. Anything and everything, when they go out, they pray. Before they put their footwear, they pray and they go out. Before they eat, they pray. Before any occasion that comes, they pray. There's a birthday party our family's arranging, they pray. There's a wedding our family's arranging, they pray. Before they go out to ministry, today they're going out into village ministry, they pray. I used to, as a small boy, think, oh, come on, again prayer. You know, but now, standing here, I can clearly say they have learned it from Jesus. Jesus, before he did anything and everything, he prayed. This is how he wants to deal with this situation. At this point, Jesus is very emotionally, very, very low. He's very anxious. He's feeling depressed. How many of you can relate to such a situation? Have you been through such a situation? I go through it a lot. I'm being honest and vulnerable and open. I go through it a lot. You know, when emotionally low, the first thing that Jesus wants to do when he's feeling so low is go and pray. He said, let's go. You know, Judas came and found Jesus at Gethsemane. You know why? He knew where he was because he knew his usual place. That is his usual place of prayer. He knows when Jesus, he knows the in and out of Jesus, and he knows this is what Jesus is going to do. I know it. If he's not here, I know where he is. He's praying in the garden, crying out his heart to the Father. According to counseling, I've been to, you know, um, uh, generally, you know, they'd say the check, you know, health check, and, and kind of check yourself how you do it. They say, that that's why I brought uh, through things. There are, we all have three tanks. One's the emotional tank, right? And we have the spiritual tank, and we have the physical tank, okay? At, at a point of time, all of us, have so much in, in each of this tank. And how we feel at a point of time depends of how much these three tanks are filled. And there's another notion now which says, whichever tank is the lowest, that's going to hit hard on the other two tanks and make you going to make you feel low and bad. Wonderful. That's great. But looking at the life of Jesus, I see he also had these three tanks, emotional tank, where, which is very low at this moment. Spiritually, spiritually, he's always high. And 
physically also, he's feeling so weak and crying out to the Father. He wasn't even able to um, stand and pray. He fell down to his face because he was burdened so much. But what I learned from Jesus is that. What, what we, we learn is that from the world, which is I'm not against that at all. I really appreciate that. That's a good point. So for your emotional tank to be full, you need to do what will emotionally boost you. For some, it is some hobby. For some, it's watching a movie. For some, spending quality time with someone, and so on. Yes, spiritual tank, obviously, it's the Word of God, prayer, fellowship, church, community group, and things like that. Physical, obviously, dieting, um, you know, being careful with what you eat, exercise, you know, doing your routines properly, and that helps. But here, when Jesus is feeling very low and all that, the first thing he does is praying. What I understand from this is he's filling his spiritual tank with prayer. See, what happens is this spiritual tank, when it's filled with prayer, aligning ourselves in line with God, this tank feeds into your emotional tank. It feeds into your, your physical tank. We pray and we are healed. You see, we pray and our mentality, our mindset changes, we are boosted. And then we set our things right for our body as well. No, I've been lazy so long, I can't be doing that, now I need to. You see, prayer and filling the spiritual tank constantly helps us feed into the other tanks. Prayer life feeds into the spiritual tank directly and indirectly, it fills into your emotional tank and your physical tank. So take that suggestion from Jesus. Let's learn from Jesus. Normally, what is your remedy when you are feeling low? When you are depressed? When you are anxious about something? Hey, my friend, here's the great solution Jesus is teaching us. Let's go to God in prayer. Pour your heart out to God in prayer. That's my next point. Jesus poured out his heart to the Father in prayer. You know, sometimes it is us who complicate things. We think, oh, prayer should be an arranged and organized time. You know, it's a complicated time. You need to read verses, you need to have some worship songs, you need to, you know, have something in the background, you need to have the atmosphere, you need to have the setting, you need to have people around. No. Jesus could pray at any time, anywhere, whatever he was doing. And that's, that's the role model he sets us. Let us be people who take our heart to God and cry out. When we cry out to men and women, okay, this is normal generally, men and women, what happens? There are two things that happens. Men, who, men and women who really cares for you, they are there for you. But many times they don't know how to support you in that. Right? And then other times, there are people who really don't care. They just pretend that they care. But when you go to God and pour out your heart to God, there are two things that's going to be very sure because he has promised 
that he is going to hear you and answer you. Wow. Hallelujah. He has promised, so he is definitely going to do. In Jeremiah 33, 3, he said, In your troubled times, call unto me, and I will answer you. When he says he will answer, he will answer. So you're sure he is going to answer us. So you, uh, you can go to him. The second thing that uh, happens is that we are so assured that he cares for us. He doesn't pretend. He doesn't kind of stay aback. No, he comes down with his comfort and his peace. And he cares for us. So it is so important and such a good idea for us to pour out our heart to God. I go through this many a times. I feel, you can ask my wife. I tell her, I'm feeling very heavy. Why? I don't know. Why sudden heaviness, sudden burden? And one thing I would say always, I want to pray. Learning from Jesus, I want to pray. And sometimes I don't even pray, I just go cry. I cry and cry and cry and cry, pour out my heart to God. And you know what? When I come back after praying, I'm never the same person. I'm never the same person. I can assure you, not because I prayed, because there is a God who promised to come and answer me. There is a God who cares for me, who cares for you, who will answer you. So pour out your heart to God. Prayer was Jesus' source of strength. You see? Jesus is going through the same thing what the disciples are going through. Well, much more, definitely. And uh, this is the suggestion he said in the verse. Matthew 26, 41 says, Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, Jesus is bringing this, this they're explaining that there is a war that is going on between your willpower your spirit is willing, and the weakness of the flesh. Okay, what the world says or teaches us is you need willpower. When you have willpower, you can do anything. Excellent. That is true. But Jesus goes beyond because he knows us so well. He understands us. He is our creator. He has made us. He knows what has gone right and what has gone wrong. And this is what he explains us to us. Yes, we need willpower to overcome. But when you're going through temptation, the weakness of the flesh always takes the upper hand. Okay? And many people think that, oh, I don't have willpower and that is why I'm falling. I don't have willpower, that is why I'm unable to overcome. No, 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 you have the willpower, your spirit is willing, but the weakness of your flesh is taking the upper hand when you are going through temptation. Note this. So what is the solution to this? Jesus very simply explains, watch and pray so that you may not enter into temptation so that you may not even enter into temptation. Temptation is a dangerous spot, you see. Many a times we, what we pray, Lord, help me come out of my temptation. Come out of my temptation. Why are you in temptation? What, what Jesus is saying, you watch and pray, you get the discernment so that you don't even enter into temptation where your weakness can have an upper hand. But if you need your willpower to be strong, 
Your prayer, being watchful and praying, enhances your willpower where your spirit is willing and takes the upper hand to overcome the weakness of the flesh. Imagine you're going through a long corridor. Have you been into hotels, Premier Inn, and things like that? Long through a long corridor, and there are doors on either side. Every door is a temptation. Just imagine, every door is a temptation. What I do, I open every door and check, and then I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Oh, Lord, help me, help me, Lord, help me. I struggle to come out. But being watchful and praying, God gives me the discernment through His Holy Spirit not even to enter, not even try it out. Guys, take this. This is my personal experience, and this is so good. God now teaches me or helps me discern there is temptation ahead. You don't even have to go that path. Okay? Many times when we read through the Bible and see how can we overcome temptation? How can we overcome? Youth, they love it, this topic. How can we overcome temptation? You know the best suggestion and what the Bible teaches us is flee away from immorality. In Timothy, Paul writes, flee away from youthful lusts. Hey, there are some battles that's worth fighting. There are some battles worth just keeping away. Okay? What Jesus suggests is when we watch and pray, he gives us the discernment to identify where temptations are and that you don't even enter into it. The disciples sadly couldn't get the hang of it then, so they slept and they let the weakness of the flesh overcome them. Through persistence in prayer, Jesus aligned himself to Father's will. At least three times Jesus went and prayed the same thing. It's recorded three times. I'm sure he would have gone several times and prayed Jesus. Oh, he prayed to the Father, Father, Please, please, my heart is heavy. I'm burdened. I don't want to pass through this. If it is your will, let this not happen. But the way he concludes is that not my will, Father, but your will be done. Every time he concludes his prayer this way and he comes back and then again goes back and prays, again comes back. But every time he comes out the prayer, not my will, but thy will be done. Persistence in prayer is very important. Oh, I prayed once, nothing happened. No, you can keep praying. You can keep praying. How long? How long? This is what I learned from Jesus. This is what we learned from Jesus. Persistence in prayer does not change God's mind. You need to understand that. Yeah? Make it. So by you know, fasting and praying and praying again and again, don't think I can change the mind of God. I can get what I want. No. What actually happens is my mind changes in accordance to the will of God through persistence in prayer. There are three things that is beautifully happening there. One, Jesus' mind is now prepared to face the worst when he persisted in prayer. Second thing is that there's a peace that came upon him which surpasses all understanding. You may not understand what you're going through. You may not understand everything there. You may not understand why this is happening. But 
There is a peace that you receive from God that guards your mind in Christ Jesus, heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, what happens is we begin to look from God's perspective. We are prepared, we have peace, and the, our perspective changes in line with God. Many times we get confused, see, with peace. When you say, oh, I've prayed about it and I have a peace about it. And it's very obvious that's not what God wants you to do. But, uh, well, you know what, I persisted in prayer. I'm prepared to anything that comes, I have peace. When you know that this peace that surpasses all understanding is from God, is when you begin to look from God's perspective. It should end there. It should end there. And that is where we come to the second bit and say, oh yeah, I have a peace about it. I have so many youngsters come to me and say, oh, when we clearly saw that, that wasn't... <clears throat> Right, no, I have a peace about it. They go, they try it out, come back and say, yes, this is not God's will. Yeah, this is what we're trying. Why? Because they couldn't see from the public. They didn't go to the next step, persist enough to see from God's perspective. The final point of the next point, basically, or there's only two points, the scriptures, significance of scripture in our life. Jesus completely surrendered and submitted to the authority of the scripture. Wow, isn't that amazing? Being who he is, we have God the Father, we have God the Son, we have God the Holy Spirit. Being who he is, he surrendered to the authority of scripture. This is how he fought everything. It is written, it is written, it is written. How then will this be fulfilled? How then the scriptures will be fulfilled? Oh, wow. Many times we try to handle the scriptures, not here, here. That verse is nice. That's really good. That's very, you know, soothing. Ah, I don't like this verse. This is like, <clears throat> there's a cost to pay for the discipleship. Well, Jesus paid all the costs. Why? You know, we tend to, oh, well, I doubt the authenticity of the Bible. Where did this come from? This is that and that. See, we question a lot of things. We, as if, you know, the scripture is here. No, Jesus himself showed us the example. The scripture is about the way we need to look at is under scripture. Yes, I don't understand that, but there will be a time, I'm sure, I will understand. And I know one thing for sure, the scripture is right. The scripture is, and that is the attitude we need to have. That is the way we submit to the authority of the scripture, and Jesus showed us very well. The hardest bit is when our emotions and our feelings are saying something, and the people around you as well, knowing that to make you feel good, is like, that is right, that is right. But when the scripture says absolutely opposite to what you're feeling, and then you need to take a decision whether to go by the loved ones or whether to submit to the authority uh, of the scriptures. That is the hardest bit, isn't it? We all go through that. But let us learn from Jesus and choose to prioritize scriptures in our heart. This is so beautiful. I read this from a book written by Andrew Wilson. Jesus loved the scriptures with all his heart. Jesus understood the scriptures with all his mind. Jesus obeyed the scriptures with all his will. Isn't that amazing? 
This is how we are called to call love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your willpower. So, yeah? Do you understand? He, Jesus, he loved the scriptures with all his heart. Jesus understood the scriptures with all his mind. Jesus obeyed the scriptures with all his willpower. So be our lives too. Hallelujah. Jesus had full confidence in the Father. You see, he reads Matthew 26, 53 to 54. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? But how then should the scriptures be fulfilled that it must be so? Jesus knew. If only he has just said, Father, come on. And you know what? Twelve legions of angels would have come for support and, and changed the whole situation absolutely different. But he knew that God is able. He didn't question his authority. He didn't question, why is the Father doing all this? No, he just said, but... I will surrender and submit so that the scriptures, God's word, will be fulfilled. Wow, what an example. There were 101 reasons for, God, for Jesus not going through. There were 1,001 ways by which he could have got away with it through help that he had. But there was only one good reason, the scriptures that he chose to obey, Father, even to the point of death. That one reason is enough. You might have thousand reasons, you might have hundred reasons telling you not to do what the scripture says, but one reason just to submit to the authority is more than enough. If Jesus did it, let's do it in our life. Let scripture takes, take the right place in our life. Jesus submitted to the scripture even to the point of death. Philippians 2, 6, 8. This is what it reads. Who, that is Jesus Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Guys, we need to understand something. Jesus didn't have to do this. He didn't have to do this. He chose to do it. He chose to obey the Father even to the point of death. Why? Because he's a loving Jesus. This is what I believe. He thought of me the garden of Gethsemane he thought of me I know there's going to be thousands and thousands of years I'm going to come you are going to come he thought of each and every one of us in order for the father's will to be done Lord yet thy will be done he submitted even to the point of the cross nothing is going to cost us more than what it costs for Jesus Let's remember this, even as we are going to celebrate the communion now. Let's examine ourselves. Wonderfully, Ruth brought, how do we deal with this sadness? One of the ways is, let's repent. Let's be quiet. Let's ask the help of the Holy Spirit. As we take the bread and wine, let's, let's 
remember what Jesus has done, the price that he has paid. Hey, this is not a simple thing. He obeyed to the point of the being who he is. This is our God. There is a difference, but I'm going to finish with this. There is a difference between Jesus, our God, and every other God in this world they teach. Do you know what that is? Every religion is good. Every religion, every God, whatever they taught, their scriptures, um, their you know, holy books, as they would call it, are good. You know why? They say what to do to be good. Okay? They say, if you do good, you will live. You will be blessed. If you too do evil and bad, you will be punished. Right? But Jesus is the only God who explains everything. Because he's the maker, he's the creator. He's the only God who says, you cannot be good by your own works. Every other religion, every other book, every other teacher, every other holy man, as they would call in this world, tells you, do this, do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Jesus says, yes, this is what you need to do to be good, but I know you cannot do it. You cannot do it. And he tells us why as well. That is the gospel. Jesus is the only God who came down not to punish sinners, but to die for the sinners in their place. Wow. There's no other God. There's no other. I can stand so proudly and proclaim this all my life, wherever I can. There's no other God, no other God who has come down for a sinner. Romans 5, 6, 8, what Sarah read before. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Hey, Christ didn't die for some good people. Christ didn't die because we were worthy of it. Christ didn't die because we deserved it. No. The Bible says we deserve the wrath of God. Anything that is sinful and has sinned should be destroyed. But Jesus loves us more than that. That he came to take our place. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Yeah, for a righteous person one may you know, come and die. Though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Show me some good in you, I will do something good. This is not what Jesus said. While we were still sinners, while we were ungodly, Jesus came down and he went through this massive, massive pain and struggle. Isn't Jesus amazing? Isn't Jesus outstanding? Isn't Jesus very different from every other God? Yes. Jesus, because of you, I am standing here righteous. Jesus, because you came down and died. Otherwise, I had no chance. You have no chance of being good or getting anywhere better. Thank you, Jesus.
You know our weakness. You know our inability. You know our inadequacy. But you are so kind and loving that you came down while I was still ungodly, while I was still a sinner, and you chose to die for me. Take my punishment. Take my death that I would live your resurrected life. Yeah, what an exchange. What an exchange. This is our God. We're going to share communion now. Can I request you to stand, please, wherever you are? I'm going to call the band up on stage. Right, while the band plays music and while they are here, let's bring our focus before Jesus. Jesus valued two things, prayer and the authority of the scriptures. How is our life? Let us examine ourselves as we come and take part in the Lord's table. Is there anyone who's deeply saddened and broken and anxious and depressed? Can I ask you to do this medications, this health, which is so good, but firstly, can I ask you to pray? That is what Jesus did. Pour out your heart to the Father. Watch and praise so that you may not enter into temptation. Prioritize the authority of the scripture in our life about our feelings and our emotions. Mm. Jesus is so different from anyone. Why? Why? Because he came down to die for us while we were so, still unworthy, weak, ungodly, while we were still sinners. There's nothing that we deserve for him to do this, but it is purely lavished grace of the Father, his love. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.